morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon and I'm here with Lou, the swords up already this morning. Put your fist down. Be bah humbug. No Merry Christmas. That's spirit. not true at all. Blasey. It's not true at all. I'm just trying to take care of business. Listen. Get the show on the air. Listen. Yeah. Listen, Linda. <laughs> Isn't it listen, Linda? Listen, Lisa. Lisa. Listen. I don't know. You know that. You know Where's that about. from? No. Well, it's not my problem that now there are dueling shows next to me. Yep live at the same time loud so i get i so all my listeners can hear this morning i walk in excuse me but you can't in, hear I'm, anything wait, right no, at the moment i can't even hear you i'm talking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look i'm cutting you off i walk in this morning and immediately the station manager or whoever he is says to me you've got a new person next to you till 10 and they're very loud and you've got the other one on the other side and they're very loud so we either shut your door or you have to tell them to zip it is that what they said shut your door yes you no clue what's going on up here <laughs> no they told me to just shut my door it's not gonna and i said it's not gonna I work said, you have a wall between one studio i understand yeah. i just laughed jimmy will because, be fine listen jimmy is my next door neighbor now yeah. everyone jimmy's next door i really can't hear him i can hear him sort of but not Jimmy's like a pro. Yeah. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. So, but I was met with that as I walked in this morning to tell me that I either needed to shut my door or <laughs> to my studio or <laughs> wait till 10 to start. So, and then we started late anyways because Lou. No, he's going to be cutting audio at 10. So I don't know how quiet that's going to be either. So, okay. I'm going to have to shut my door because now I can't hear no, no, you. No, no, no. I can't hear you. Well, you're going to hear me less if you shut the door. Oh, fine. God, swords up, bud. <laughs> bah humbug. Losing a bad mood today. Not in a bad mood. I'm just dealing with things. Okay. Well, you're in a less than cheerful spirit. I'm well, and let's well, talk about that. That's this is that's the pretty theme constant. Of, this is the theme. <laughs> well, this is your theme, apparently, but yeah. this is also a theme of many people I've seen in the past two weeks of less than cheerful spirits in this lovely time of the year. It's there, the most wonderful time of the year. There are pressures, there are Elf. things going on. I understand that. Yeah. Do we need to have a session on the air? Life goes on. We can have a session. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that that would actually entertain people. <laughs> it would. I, I'm sure it would. Um, so anyway, well, first of all, we this will probably be the only time that I get to fully talk about the holidays because the next two shows coming up, which are right before Christmas and Hanukkah and right after Christmas, are going to be with special guests. That's right. And it's really exciting because, um, so as I talked about last week, I'm going to talk about this first so that I can promo this for everyone because I want people to put it out there and we'll certainly put out a big blast on these things. So I have the lovely privilege and honor of having two sets of very awesome, well-known guests um, next week. Um, they are Carol and Howard Baskin from Big Cat Rescue in mm -hmm. Tampa, Florida. Um, in, and they will be coming on to talk about the Big Cat Public Safety Act passing last week, which is super exciting. And everyone in the exotic uh, cat world and the big cats and um, uh, for the years that it's been trying to be passed in the in the Congress and Senate and House finally had it passed. So it's going to protect the public and cats from being bought, sold, traded and, you know, pay for play schemes and roadside zoos and ownership and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. I mean, it's beyond good. So they're going to talk about that because they are integral and um, they are the integral people in having passed that and gotten that passed and all their hard work. So we're going to talk about that and 
other things. And then the week after, um, the owner of Wildcat Sanctuary up in Sandstone, Minnesota will be with us, Tammy Thies. And she is going to talk to us about similar things, but also um, her rescue and what she does and how she helped with the Big Cat Public Safety Act. But also, she just brought back four babies, cubs that are absolutely adorable, um, lioness cubs uh, from the Ukraine, from the bombed area, the zoo there. They um, moved them to the Poland Zoo. um, And she went over a couple weeks ago and she brought them back and they're in Minnesota enjoying the fresh snowfall running around and romping around in their very large um, (laughs) space now and adorable. They are so cute. They go out in the snow. Huh? They go out in the snow. They do. Yeah. I will. I will. I will give you pictures so you can post. But they they do go out in the snow and they've been having a very good time. So mm-hmm. I let's see if I can get it. It's Prada's the oldest. Mm-hmm. Her name is Prada. Um, Alessia, Stefania, and Terrace. Okay. And they're adorable and they're very cute. And so Tammy will be here talking about all of her things that she does out there. And I was actually in both places in the past three months. Where's mom and dad? Pardon? Where's mom and dad? Um, well, we'll let her tell the story of okay. where mom and dad are. Excellent. So they are, but they are coming from the, the war torn area of Ukraine. So imagine that you have to like, just, just imagine empty that a zoo because um, of the... they were in a zoo. No, I know. But I mean, because of the war, you have to get empty out a zoo and find a place right. to put these. And they, and she has, she has the full story, but and I could tell it, but then it would be like, yeah. why bother having her on? Right. But, um, but the zoo, but they moved out all the animals that they could and, and certainly got them placed other places and so on and so forth. So Tammy took the four cubs hmm. and they're adorable. They're really cute. <laughs> um, they, they'll be very large soon and they will, you know, yeah. not be, they'll still be cute, but not, not touchable cute. Cause you can't do that with them because, you know, and people often ask why, why, why can't you touch them? Well, because they're wild animal and you don't want them to be doing that because, that's just not what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, if you don't want to be touched and you're a wild animal, you know, but it's, it's for their safety and for the people's safety. So, um, but both parties that are on next week and the following week, I could tell you all these stories because I work in this field and I work with animals and people that work with animals. So I could tell you all that, but then it would be no point to have them on. (laughs) They're more exciting because they're more exciting. And, and so, so next week, Carolyn Howard would be here and, and that would be fun. And then Tammy will be here. So, um, but in the meantime, now we'll go back to talking about the bah humbug nature of some of the holiday spirit that's going on and the stressors and how to get through it. And actually yesterday I was talking to a couple clients and strangely enough, it came up that they were talking about Christmas as traumatic, like almost as a PTSD, um, type of event in their lives, um, so PTSD, for people that don't know what that stands for, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. We actually are now calling it post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSS. Um, hasn't been changed over in our diagnostic manual yet, but I tend to refer as, refer to it as PTSS because ongoing. It's not like mm-hmm. you're not, there's not something defective about you. It's more like that it's just an ongoing chronic issue for people if they have it. But people have been talking about how um, one person brought it up because last week I was talking about my experience of, you know, getting up, playing for a hot second, then having to go off and entertain the masses for the day as a child. And they were talking about how so many people have experiences like that, that it's sort of traumatizing. I wouldn't say that it was traumatizing. It was rather a nuisance to me as a child. And it certainly didn't ruin anything about Christmas for me. But for a lot of people, 
the stress, the stress and pressure of family life and expectations and um, gift giving and money spent, which we've talked about already. Um, and all especially those with divorced things. parents and step, especially with divorced couples and yes. and step parents and girlfriends and all kinds of stuff. Well, and and, and the splitting yeah. off. So that so that was one of the one yeah. of the people um, that I was talking to is that they were talking about how they they have children. And so they are trying to figure out this year in a separated, their divorce. So in a separated situation, this is their first year of trying to figure out amicably how to do Christmas because they're still little kids. So yeah. how to do Christmas with Santa Claus coming to both houses and how Santa Claus is going to come. Um, Oh, do you hear the song next door? No, what's going oh. on next door? I'm going to start singing. It's from the, yeah. um, it's the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how the um, Santa Claus is going to come Christmas Eve, potentially to one house and Christmas morning to the next house and how they were going to get Santa to come. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, I have this, this particular couple I work with has, um, they work really well together, even though they're divorced. So that was really great that they were, they were able to work this out, but they were looking for my advice and ideas on how to make it a kind of a seamless, yeah. non-traumatic um, integration because there's so many moving parts and in so many families have that, you know, they spend, yeah. they split their differences, so to speak. They, they have part of their family traditions on, on Christmas Eve, then they go to another place on Christmas day where they have everyone over. So, um, how do you, how do you do that and stream streamline it so that you don't have a lot of impact? And I keep reminding people that if you have children and they're young, the holiday is for the kids right. and it's not about the adults, which I still find amazing to me that people balk at that because you know, the kid at heart in, in adults, they love the spirit sure. and the holiday, but Except for, you know, sometimes Mr. Bah Humbug here. Well. <laughs> but I'm just picking on you. No, I understand. I know. But this is our relationship. I've seen this done so badly in, in oh, many so situations. I. I mean, one situation is it still stuns me. Like at the father's house, it was getting presents from the father and his girlfriend and couldn't take the presents back to his house. Yes. But those are for here. Right. You know, it's like, no, you give a kid a bike, or he gets to take the bike. Right. Yeah. Oh, I have stories, <laughs> but I, you're right. The amount of 20, almost 27 years of doing this. I have stories with, with my ex though. We put it's everything was kids first, right? Whatever works for the kids. And that makes everything so much easier if everyone just commits to that, because then it's not a pride thing anymore. No, it's just like what works for the kids, make it work for the kids. Well, and, and I think that, I think that, um, is it was interesting because I, I heard someone, I heard an attorney this week talking, um, about what's in the best interest of the children or a child as a legal term versus a psychological term. And I don't designate it out as, as a, as a only legal term. I always, I always have talked about, and I know many parents talk about, well, what's in the best interest of my child. It's not a legal term only it's, right. you know, and when I practice, it's what's in the best interest of a child. If I have, if I have a child client, for instance, and they are, um, or ch children as clients, for instance, and their parents are doing things that are in the best interest of them as adults, but it's to the neglect or the deficit of the child. I don't, 
bypass that. I say, this isn't in the best interest of your child to do that as your choice. These are better choices for your child as an outcome. Not always can it be in the best interest of the child because something may get in the way. I mean, there's examples, obviously, and there's you know exceptions to the rule. But when it comes to something like a holiday or sports and and making choices that are healthy and moving a child forward and that's feasible and reasonable and realistic for them, that's what you do. Um, and, and so the best interest of a child in the, in the area of holidays is the first and foremost thing, because that's really what's important. It's not about pleasing the in-laws or making sure that someone else gets some other adult gets their need met. Um, and we talked a little bit about it, I think last week or the week before about how going to, you know, the assumption, kind of the old school thing, and it still remains for lots of people that, you know, women are supposed to go to their parents' house and the male and goes with them. And, you know, eventually it's like, well, you have your own family. If you're in a couple, whether you're married or not, you have to make your own new traditions. And if you have children, that's where it starts first. So the children, people come to them. Um, So that's one of the things I I offer as a suggestion and recommendation to families is if you have children and they're under the age of like 16, they come, people should come to you, not you go to them. Because like you just said, you know, the bike, you open it up and it stays at the house that it's open versus getting to come with the child. I mean, it's just, that's so much stress and pressure. And that's where the trauma comes in. Well, we talk, and we use that loosely. I'm going to use that loosely. We've talked a lot about boundaries. And when you have kids, I mean, it's one thing you get married and you go to the parents' house, you know, and you do that and you do the visit and things like that. But when you have kids, that's a good place. It's a perfectly reasonable place to say, no, the kids are going to be home for Christmas. Right. Perfectly welcome to come over. Come over in the afternoon. We're going to do Christmas opening in the morning. Come over in the afternoon. We'll have dinner and, you know, go from there. It's a perfectly reasonable boundary to set. But obviously, grandparents put pressure on sometimes. Sometimes. A lot of times. Yeah. But you you have to understand that you are allowed to make boundaries, especially you have to form your own family. It's one thing being under your parents as a part of the family structure. But at a certain point, it's your family and your kids. Well, I think that the, so my experience with people and talking about it is that it, it's all that is reasonable, rational, realistic, you know, my three R's that I use, what, what ends up getting in the way where I end up having sort of a redundant loop. I'm using redundant on purpose because John and I had a redundancy last night. I'm using that word as a little dig, just saying, just I'll explain it (laughs) to you later. It's a spite word. Redundant. So not to be redundant. I'm going to keep doing it now because that's redundant. (laughs) Um, But the, that the parents, um, that the parents of the grandparents, let's use the grandparents because there's so much of societal guilt that has been ingrained in people to put guilt on others, um, that somehow, and not in all families, because certainly I have families that have none of this, but I have so many families, which is why they come to me where there's that guilt that's given and, then the parent or whoever's giving it will say, I'm not guilting. It's just the facts or it's the truth or it's just because yeah. you it's your truth doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you should use it as a way to maneuver or manipulate someone to do what you want yep. in an effort to get your needs met. And so, so many times I see that in the holidays, especially Christmas. I mean, I grew up around Christmas. I, I would imagine it happens in other holidays too, because I hear about it um, certainly, but particularly in Christmas, I can speak to that from clinical and from profession, from personal is that the guilt level that is, is, um, 
given and and in psychology we're trained to tell people you only feel guilty if you want to feel guilty well it's not quite as simple as that yeah. so when i tell people that or when they read their pop psychology help self-help books and it says you can only feel what you want to feel you don't have to feel what other people make you feel that's all well and good but there's still the problem is that you have a connection to your family you have a feeling towards your family you have a want to please them and love them and show them that you meet their needs and so on so forth um <laughs> thank you for redundancy <laughs> that's a um to but, continue the theme that's a redundant offense though because what you should be doing as a parent in my opinion and maybe this is a little too too broad brush and too you know simplistic but the kids come first mm -hmm. and for the grandparent not only your kids come first and if their need is to be home with their kids that's what you do right you also need to put your grandparent your grandkids first that's a it's a redundant offense. How's that? <laughs> See, now I've got you on it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got you on the redundancy. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, but I think it, everything becomes simple when you do what you're supposed to do, which is to put the kids first. Yes. And I, and I think that that's, I think that, I think that would cut down on so much of a problem for so many people yeah. because most people have kids. So, yeah if it just centers around the kids and that, that doesn't mean that they're entitled or spoiled or whatever, but right. it has to be around the kids. And I'm talking young kids. That's why I cut it off at like 16. Cause that doesn't mean they get everything they want. Right. It no, means that's they nothing get everything to do with they how need. much they get or yeah. money or anything. It has to yeah. do with letting the kids have their experience of the, of the holiday. Well, adults, you're having your experience too, but it's a different way. You're not experiencing Santa Claus. You're not experiencing the other things that come with, you know, the downtime and in the same way that kids are, you're all, say you're having a five day break next week after the, or during the holiday season, adults are experiencing it in a different way than the kids are. So if you're getting toys and electronics and new things and the kids want to use them, they don't want to use them and then have to run out the door and then go somewhere else to then give up that time and then be at a dinner at two, which is... <laughs> So yeah. my tradition in my in my own my actual home here not in my family's home is we don't eat till later yeah. because i like to have the whole day of just being because i told you last week right i didn't have that right so i make sure that the whole day is just being yep being present being there there's no dressing up i i do take a shower no. I every, I don't require anyone else to take a shower, but you know, it helps, but I do take that shower just so you know, but it's just that well, it's just a day of lingering. You like that? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to be redundant. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you see, do you see where John and I had something? Yes. I, I think okay. I see just making sure you see pretty it. clear redundant. Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> I'll tell you later. But but it's that, it's, it that, it's that lingering out of the being present in here now in the moment and being able to be, um, it's a healthy way to be. Why yeah. put extra pressures on? Even even people that are coming over to my house this year are saying, what are we having for dinner? And I made the statement last night and last week once and they thought I was joking. I said, I think instead of, because I usually do, like, you know, a standing roast and probably do some of that stuff because, you know, yep. I was like, I think we're just going to do gumbo and do Louisiana because John's from Louisiana, right? Nice. I was like, let's just do gumbo. And they all looked at me like, you're not going to just do gumbo. There's no way you're going to, I'm like, well, I'm thinking we're just going to do gumbo and nothing and, wrong with that. And, and my niece works at a lovely place where we can get trays of food. And I'm like, <laughs> seemingly good this year. <laughs> so that's why not? Sometimes simplicity is good yeah. instead of, you know, I just want to be. 
I want to differentiate though when I was talking about putting the kids first. Yes. Too many people think that's putting what they want first. Mm. And it's about Correct. putting what they need first, right. because sometimes kids need delayed gratification. Sometimes kids right. need a little hardship, a little resistance. Exactly. Sometimes they need some responsibility. It's not what they want, but it's what they need. Well, right. And so the designation that you're making is super important because what I'm talking about is exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah. not about the kids being first as in like everything that they want on their list and then right. immediate gratification. And yes, delayed gratification. They're not going to get everything on their list. The, you know, having boundaries, obviously, but about being it's about being about the kids so that the stress, if you make it about a kid's day, that it's about um, just being with family and being with the family that you are in with your children and then people want to come to you that don't have children that are young anymore, then it that's what I'm saying is it's about just being present in the moment of what is around the child aspect of the holiday. You give them X amount of years sitting around the Christmas tree in their home. That's what you give them. Right. Right. That's the memory you want to give them. That's, right. That's the experience you want to give them. Not, you know, in a car on, you know, 128 traveling to grandma's. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's also in in what you also said before, it's not also about the experience of gifts. It's the experience of being together and and not about the gift you got because kids, people don't remember. If you think back, I don't remember gifts that I got. People typically, if I ask them, you know, when we talk about this and this comes up a lot, I always say, what re, what do you remember as gifts? You know, sometimes people will say like this really something special. Most of the time when people report about their holiday experiences, it's the experience, something about either a negative experience or a positive experience. Most of the time I get negative just because of the field I'm in. It's what I pull for, yep. right? Because yep. people talk about those things. But but when it's not, it's an experience. It's something that had happened or it's something that was momentous that stuck out to them. Like they they were there was a big snowstorm or they got to go outside and play or they had something happen where it was something that was memorable because it was tangible, not just a gift that was open after 500 different gifts. And then it was, right. you know, I mean, if, if, you know, I have people in my life, they get concert tickets every year, right? It's like, okay, you know, it's an ex expectation that's a concert ticket. You know, it's like, okay, do you really remember that? Well, they'll remember the experience down the line, but it's just in that moment, it's just a concert ticket, right. but it's the experience of that day is exciting. Now it's gotten so automatic that, that's not any experience anymore because right. it's just expected. That's like kind of what you're talking about. It's just kind of the expectation that if it doesn't come, it's going to be disappointing. And I'm always to the, you know, mind of telling people that when you give kids gifts, be prepared that when they aren't the thing that they really wanted, if you're coming and undershooting, so to speak, of what they wanted, many kids handle it fine, but there are certain kids out there that do not handle it well and get very entitled and yeah. unhappy and can take away from the day because they didn't get exactly what they wanted. That's a signal that something's not right though. Because right. You're equating, well, that's, and that's, right. you're equating that means, emotion and love to a present and that's not the, supposedly not the lesson. Right. Well, and, and it, well, it speaks to the level of entitlement and level of non-ability to hold on gratification, not, having distress tolerance, right? Being able mm -hmm. to tolerate uncomfortability with some, you know, the disappointment, um, you know, and realizing, and, and I tell this to parents, tell their kids that when a, a list is generated for Christmas, the list doesn't mean you get everything on it. Right. I have so many parents. It's unbelievable how many parents I have that feel it necessary. 
um, because they feel guilty themselves if they don't give mm -hmm. to their kids the entire list because they are usually, I, we actually, we end up having conversations about how are you compensating and what are you compensating for by having to feel compelled to do the 25 point list that has, you know, three They're or four thousand dollars on it of gifts when it's just, you know, you're going to go into debt for it. They're avoiding recycling their own disappointment mm -hmm. from presents they didn't get. Right. Right. Well, it's a path of least resistance, even though it's going to put yeah. people in debt. And this is one of the things. But it's again, it's a mentality of love equals money, which is not where you should and, be. Right. Yeah. Right. And 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 gifts and money are so gifts and money and love are so entangled in this holiday season. Um, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, it's it's a sad state of affairs when I'll say it's going to be a light year and I get that look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or they what does that mean? And I'm like, it's going to be a light year. And, and I, you know, say it because I want to see the reaction and I get the reaction exactly as I expect of like, what does that mean of like, it's already disappointment when I say it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean it's going to be a light year? Like, what am I not getting? You know, and it's too much so. of a material priority though. I mean, I know. And when people, and we talked about this last week when people say, what do you want? And I'm like, I have a couple of things I asked for that are stand not even ask for them. They're just standard that, I have one ornament that just goes to my collection, one ornament and a calendar. <laughs> That's my, I'm yeah. very simple. And oh, you know what brought up a whole bunch of people out of the out of the woodwork last week? What? Do you guess what gift that I asked for last week brought like hordes of people out talking about it? I forget. What did you remember? I talked about the gun safe. <laughs> The gun safe. That's the right. gun safe. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. that, I got more emails, <laughs> texts, and calls about that. They were like, you know, why do you want a gun safe? So I had to explain. The gun. <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny. So and I and I extra sent the email of how to purchase this gun safe to two people in my life last week after the fact because I was like, I really want it, but it's actually so that people don't ask me again today. Yeah. It's not for guns. This safe is just like super awesome. And I'm not going to say what it is now on air, but it's just super awesome for being, I mean, anything can be stolen if it wants to be, but this one would be very difficult to, so it's just to put my stuff in. <laughs> what do you remember about Christmas at home? What do I remember? What's about? the first memories that come up? As a first memory of Christmas? Oh, this is a dangerous question. No, the most prominent memory. If most I say Christmas at home, what comes to mind? Um, I, for, for me, it's my mother, my poor Irish mother trying to make calamari for her Italian family. And it was awful. Oh, no. I didn't know I loved calamari until I was like 35 years old and actually had it made right. Did she make it and it was like rubbery? Oh, it was rubbery and it was loose and the breading would all wash off. Oh, was, God. That's gross. Oh, it was horrible. But, you know, poor and Irish it was, woman. It trying wasn't to, until your 30s uh, when you had a good experience with calamari? Yeah, I get, had it oh. in a restaurant. That's when I discovered how it was supposed to be made. It's like calamari. I don't want That's disgusting. Well, to, well, I'll answer your question in a second, but just because you said that, I, I, I mean, she tried. As an auntie, I got, <laughs> as an auntie, I got all of a set of my nieces and nephew. I got them all to eat calamari very young age. I told them that they were sea onion rings <laughs> well, and they loved them. You're until, not wrong. <laughs> until a little later, they, I told them that they were what they were and then they didn't eat them for a while, but we're back to eating them. So we had a hiatus from them, but oh, so you took I ordered the tentacles them up, in, out. up, up yeah. on the beach 
many years ago. Yeah. And when they were like, what are those? I'm like, oh, they're sea onion rings. And that, they were a hit. So you took out all the tentacles. They didn't come I across just, the tentacles. I, oh, yeah, no. I oh, just yeah. got left the little rounds for them. <laughs> when you said it, I was just like, oh, I got them to eat them. And they were really good. So we're back to all eating them again. But yep. it was after they, you I, know, little I kids, always felt like, so bad because my Italian grandparents were off the boat, you know, and it's oh. like Irish <laughs> Irish mother trying to cook Italian. It That's just so didn't funny. work. Yeah. So I, I actually, I, you have a stump. You have stumped me because as Nothing I just said up. about many clients, I have many memories of Christmas. Yep. Are we talking about a positive memory? Not necessarily. <laughs> now you're gonna get me coughing. Not necessarily. And I do remember. Okay, I can. I do I can remember tell you a few specific first, gifts. My first, my first real memory that I can mm -hmm. say is, is that I and it was consistent every year. Is I would have a very hard time falling asleep because I'd be so excited, and my parents would. Um, oh, I, I have young listeners, so I have to be careful with this memory. Mm. I'm gonna roll <laughs> back that one. Um, I was very excited when there were uh, footprints of Santa Claus in the house and the the dish of like cookies and carrots and milk and all the stuff I left for the reindeer and Santa was gone. Like that was exciting. Gone a half eaten. Yeah. And it was, but that, yeah. And it was mm -hmm. like, and then Santa had left some footprints outside of the um, fireplace. And that was really cool. I remember yeah. that very specifically. Yeah. And I remember jingle bells outside, like on the roof one night. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So yeah. that was really cool. I remember that. So those are some of my first fun memories. <laughs> the flooding back. I, my father decorating the tree in the front of the house, which he had to climb on the roof to to get to the top of the tree at a certain point. It was always always an adventure. Well, I can tell you that one of my so so that was my good memories. I have I wouldn't say it's a bad memory. I would just say it was an entertaining memory because it now I have literally our tree goes up in probably less than 30 seconds, perfectly straight, no issue. It's got, we have a very high, high end, like hydraulic thing that just snaps the tree right in the really? place and it stands and it never moves. Yeah. Except when Bean crawls up the middle of it. But nonetheless, but growing up, I had Chevy Chase Christmases with the Christmas tree. I remember, because we had a chalet in Vermont mm -hmm. and very high ceilings. So we would get, you know, 12 foot trees tree, or yeah. whatever it was, yeah. 12, you know, very high. The ones that would have to be tension wired to the wall. Oh God. Yeah. And the amount of work, time, effort, and swearing. I think that's where I learned all my first swears because <laughs> my father and mother, I don't remember my mother swearing, but my father did. And, and that tree would be leaning and it would be fighting <laughs> and it would be brutal, brutal. Yeah. Putting up the Christmas tree was always like cringe. But that's a good memory. And it's, well, it's funny because right? yeah. it's, it's Chevy Chase. In my mind, it's Chevy Chase Christmas. Plus, it's your home. It's your family. It's it's your it's mm -hmm. your personal memory, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I can hear it now. God. <laughs> <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. Now, yeah. I hate Christmas. I Oh, I heard that <laughs> at least a hundred times in the first hour because it took at least an hour or two to put up that tree oh, just good. to put it up. Yeah. And then we could never leave the lights on because back in the 70s, the big bulb lights yep. would heat up and they'd be so bloody hot. <laughs> My mother would be paranoid that the tree would catch on fire. Right. So we'd have the tree on for maybe like, I don't know, yeah. in my mind, it felt like 20 minutes probably was longer. Then it would be like, OK, tree's off now because we can catch on fire. 
<laughs> well, it's like a combination of Chevy Chase and Christmas Story. Again, like, she's not wrong either. You what? <laughs> she's not wrong. Well, <laughs> I know, old, right? Those, those lights, lights were yeah. brutal. I mean, we're lucky that it never did go up on flames. Yeah. Now you can leave your tree on forever. Yep. So, excuse me. I was, I was. It's okay. I'm still remnanting from my cold. Still? Yes. Yeah. Week three of my cough cold. At least I'm not like hacking up along today. Thank you very much. But again, I, the memory you don't want for your kids is, you know, spending every Christmas on 128 going to the grandparents. Well, that's, uh, see, that's you. I told you last week. I had this conversation over the weekend with someone that, because they were asking me about last week and I was talking about like, I get up, I play and then I was out the door in my patent leathers and my yeah. dress and hair, and, you know, it was an event. Ugh. You understand the dynamics with some families. If you have three or four kids with their own kids, right? As a grandparent, you don't want to do the tour either, right? But you have to work things out because, again, the kids come first, right? Well, I, and I and I think that have you ever seen Christmas with the Cranks? Um, probably, but I don't remember where the it's Tim Allen and um Jamie Lee Curtis, and their daughter goes off and she's taking a, you know, she's going on holiday as their first Christmas alone. And they decide that they're taking a cruise. And then all of a sudden she's, she's decides she's coming home for Christmas. And then they make the whole big thing all about, and she's an adult at this yeah. point, but they make the whole big thing about her. And, and it's, it's, it's similar to like how the family dynamic gets so involved in impressing and meeting an expectation even of an adult child and the adults that you know have the expectation you have to have the honey of the ham and you know the honey baked ham yeah. and it has to be the specific spiral and you know jamie lee curtis runs out and she has to have it it's the last one she gets into this huge fight with this woman in the store over it like <laughs> yeah because there's so much intensity around what it's supposed to be like versus just being that's why i keep using that just be but that's pressure around materialism, right? Right. Well, the, exactly. It's not about the actual spirit of the holiday or the feeling. It's not about the ham you have. It's about who you're spending it with. Right. right. And how, how you're spending it. You know, go exactly. sit at home and put on Elf. That should, you know, with the right people, it's a great holiday. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I think that I think the key there was what you said is, is it's with the right people. I think that your family is the right people. I think you have to give it a different perspective shift. You know, you have to use some cognitive behavioral therapy here for yourself is that, you know, putting aside all the other stuff in your head that comes up or putting aside all the expectations that come up or, or the wants and needs and all the things that have happened or resentments or all the things that come in the trappings of your everyday life and bring them to the table yeah. on the holiday to, you know, your family is your family, but you have to be able to have good perspective. And if you go into a holiday or anything, I mean, Christmas is just another day with a dinner, right. but now it has gifts, right? So it's no different. So when you get together with your, if you're normally getting together with your family or your family and friends, uh, you know, two weeks after Christmas, why is it any different than Christmas? Why yeah, does totally... it have to be this other thing? And I think if you have that grounding present here and now mindset, then it makes it a lot healthier. Um, that's what we talked about last week about it's not the date either. It's not right. It's, it's about getting together and, and having a memory right. around it, which is why those grandparents who have three or four kids, it doesn't have to be Christmas day or it doesn't have to be Christmas right. Eve, you know, go over the weekend or, or something, right. you know, but not everybody had, not everybody's family is the right people. In other well, words, right. some of us were opposite parents. I consider myself an opposite parent. I wanted to do everything differently from what, what my parents did. And that 
involved creating Christmas too and having that event because I didn't want them to have what I had right for Christmas. I wanted a more, for lack of a better term, wholesome experience. Well, and I think that going back to the top of the show, when we were talking about divorced couples, one of the things I unfortunately see in it's cringeworthy in terms of psychological mental health issues around kids and adults is that um, divorced families try to one up each other of who gets the better gift for the kid or, you know, what Santa brings to one house versus another, Um, you know, and, and I try to get girlfriends and boyfriends and girlfriends and boyfriends can get competitive too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of, or, it has to be equal, equalized. Yeah. Like if I spent $500 on you, you have to spend $500 on me or I have to spend a little bit more than you. it's that's, you know, it really, I know it sounds cheesy and cliche and schlocky. It's really in the thought that counts. Um, as long as it's not, you know, a redundant gift. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I say that because I do have someone in my life that was trying to get a redundant gift for someone as a way to just get it off their plate. They didn't want, they weren't thinking clearly yep. young person. They weren't thinking clearly about the fact that the person already had this thing. And when they asked for my advice, sort of asked for my advice, I gave solicited, solicited and unsolicited <laughs> advice that that was a redundancy yeah. and would, would not be, even though the thought was there, it's still like not quite, it, it was a waste of money. But as I mentioned last week, the problem with Christmas is you can have all of your ducks in a row in terms of these thoughts and these feelings and these boundaries and these priorities. Right. But you're playing in other people's courts well, so, that's the so thing much during control, Christmas. Right. Yeah. You can't control for other people. And that's where you have to have a good plan in your head of how you, you're and plan is perspective. If you go in with your own perspective of what you expect, how you how you expect others to be or not to be in terms of what you know, people, you know, your family members, you know, your friends, whatever. If you set yourself to the adjustment of what you would expect so that you don't get disappointed or hurt or upset or resentful or or you just are happy about it is the day it is where we are at and and you just take care of your own lane and you stay in your own lane with that it works out better for you. Um, But that's hard because we get caught in the trappings of all the other things that come along with it. Are we back to the basics of uh, your control is your reaction? Yes. In other words, if they're trying to guilt you, if we're using a grandparent example, not to make grandparents seem bad, but if they're trying to guilt you into bringing the kids over on Christmas morning or Christmas day, right. They're doing that because they know that they're going to get a reaction, that you're going to respond to that. Right. So controlling your response to that. And a lot of times those conversations, if you keep it very matter of fact, it's like, no, we're going to stay on with the kids on Christmas. Right. We'll come over that night or, right. you know, or, you know, maybe Saturday. But right. it's going to be going to be Christmas at home. Or well, you can and, come and over they, if you want. And I think that that'd be great. <laughs> so many families have such a hard time negotiating and compromising, especially when they're. I mean, so think of it like divorced families are similar to like having your own family with a grandparent family, right? There's separate families that want to spend time with you or want to spend, right. it's the same thing. It's, you have to be able to, there's only so much time in a day and there's only, and there's a lot of people a lot of times in lives and, you know, or there's a, at least a couple moving parts that have to be satisfied. So you've got to be able to have some negotiation compromise and be amenable and flexible that things can't just be the same way over and over again, because they just can't be. And it doesn't have to have meaning. I think this is where a lot of people get caught up in like what you just said for 
a lot of people and not grandparents as as a as a as a pointed set of people um there's a a psychological coping strategy that gets put out in the world around um if you go to one place over another it must mean you love them more right or um, if you spend more, you spend, you spent one hour longer there, it must mean that I'm not as good. And then the commentaries that come from that, that is so unhealthy to do to somebody. Um, and it pushes people away. It pushes the people that you're wanting. If you want someone close to you, you shouldn't say those things because that's just alienating them. Yeah. But it often works, yeah. especially in younger people initially before they can get better boundaries or start learning how to do that, or they realize that that's actually a maneuvering coping strategy to get what a person wants. They'll continue to feed that. And by the time, you know, they're in their twenties or thirties, they have to start putting down these harder boundaries. And that causes a lot of friction because now the other side can't understand why, well, we've always done it this way. And then it's, but well, then you're going to that family and you love them more. And it's, that's an awful thing to do to someone because that's not true. It may be true for some people. It could yeah. be absolutely true. But by and large, my experience with that is that isn't true, but that is a tactic that gets used to get the people that use that tactic are doing that out of their own insecurity, their own need, their own uncomfortability, their own distress and wanting to have what they want when they want it and have instant gratification and not have anything else be different. That's oh, well. unfair. And it's unhealthy and it's wrong to do to somebody. And this is people where, do it to, me, to each other all the time. This is where we're back to the practice of you're constantly training people how to treat you. Right. If you reward that behavior, the pressure and the guilt. It will continue. It's going to continue and it's going to mm -hmm. escalate mm -hmm. as well. So you got to be con always conscious about what you're how you're training people to treat you. Because right. you're, you're doing it constantly. Right. Right. And if you're, and if you, and it's hard and well, so when, by the time I get to people that are in this scenario um, to help them, they're already so deep in it that they're trying to figure out how to get out of it. And it takes it, you know, it doesn't take as long to get out of it as it did to, to get in it. Cause if you're 30 or 40 and you're trying to separate out, yep. um, it's not going to take you that long, but it certainly takes finesse and some diplomacy with your family members to um, you're going to have it, inevitably, you're probably going to have hurt feelings because the people that are giving you that message are going to have hurt feelings, but you can't control for that. Yep. And just because they have hurt feelings doesn't mean you've done something wrong. Right. And that's where the, the divide comes in for a lot of times I'll say people on the side that I'm working with to get them to have a healthier stance with their boundaries and their, and their needs um, will fall apart or feel bad or feel guilty because they've put it up as a boundary and then they have hurt feelings coming back towards them that are so painful for them to sit with yep. instead of just being able to, I, cause I'll say if you ride it out after the first year or two or the first couple holidays of just setting the boundary and showing that you can still have an amazing time on whatever time you do, then it will start to get better. But I think that when people have the first shock response and it's so painful they go yeah. back it's easier to just dance with the devil you know than to have that devil that comes up that's like "Ooh, i don't like that response that doesn't make me feel good that's but they're both hard you're getting but guilted and you're feeling terrible in, but you're also yeah. going to then feel guilted and terrible anyway so you might as well pick the one that's going to end eventually in a healthier outcome for most people it's 25 or 30 years worth of dynamics that you're that you're trying to change the course of right yeah so, and and so 
to change the course after 25 years or 30 years of something, um, you have to have people that want to work with you. Yep. And that's a lot of times not there because people are so ingrained in what they want. Everybody wants what they want. <laughs> and everybody yeah. tries to get what they want in different ways, but it's But it's the level of prioritization of right. what they want as opposed to all the other things that are involved, like the kids' well beings, your your feelings, your well being. Well consider yeah. well having empathy that yeah. that right. And I think it's particularly, I mean, and also just a shout out to all the only children out there. It's really hard for onlys. Um, it, I think it's easier for people when they have siblings to do some of this negotiation and compromise because it, you know, the differences get split. It still happens within yep. them. But when you're an only, um, and I have a whole bunch of onlys in my practice and so on and so forth, when you're an only child, the um, pressure gets uh quite intense hi michelle 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 is is he in the house and michelle knows exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> um but when you have an only uh there's so much dependency commonly on an only for them to fulfill the need of parents and not that all only children's parents are living vicariously through them or have unhealthy homes but many times they have that piece where it's an expectation. Um, love you too, Michelle. <laughs> yes. Um, where they have that expectation that it's just assumed because they're they're the family. Um, they are the unit, the three people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's particularly hard. I had a I had a many, many years ago, and I talk about this in the class I teach, I had a couple that had an only um they and they divorced and the amount that when they got divorced, the child was about five and a half, six. Yeah. And I started seeing the child right around that time and the mother and the mother would bring her. And, um, she would, the first holiday they had, she used guilt tactics unwitting, like not, no, she wasn't doing it to hurt the child, but she, they, they happened to get divorced because the father had cheated on her um, with a younger woman mm -hmm. and left her and abandoned ship, but hadn't abandoned like the child, right. like was fully present and whatever. But the mother, um, unfortunately said a very harsh statement and I will never forget it to this day. And this is 20 something years ago. She said to her daughter, <laughs> the daughter reported this to me and then she admitted it. Um, I want you to stay with me for Christmas because if you go to your father's, then you're abandoning me just like he did. Oh, and, um, and she had said that Ooh. over a couple different scenarios when she went to her, yeah. when she was going out, like on a play date, she did it the same. It was the same message. And finally, when I got wind of it and whatever, we had the, a very long, good heart to heart. She was a woman who was open to, she knew that she, once she heard it back to her, like what it was doing, yeah. but in the moment that her priority, her need was so much more than realizing the, the trauma yeah. that she was putting on the child for having to choose over her parents and all the things that came with that. I'm, I have to actually put my glasses on. I could only see what she, when she <laughs> said she loved us, I could see it, but now Michelle's writing other things. So, um, Oh, she said only with no kids with dad passed interesting role. Yes. Hmm. Um, and then, ah, oh, geez for the, for, for that woman, but that that's a situation I'm guessing where the woman's 
pain was still fresh and intense yes. and overwhelming her, what might be her normal response, a more reasoned response yes. without the pain, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, I th and, and I think that, so, and, and he, you know, if I strip away all the things on that particular case and, and talking about it. But that's going to taint that whole triad forever. Well, that's the thing. Forever. And so yeah. I still, I still see the now not six-year-old. I still see her. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, she's grown, she's gone to college, she's come back. Right. So I still see her here and there in terms in my practice and, and in her head she's still juggling and she remembers that she remembers yeah, that yeah. very specifically that's so that's what you know we started the show talking about tra trauma so the the brain registers that and people yeah. would say well how's that trauma because it was an emotional experience that stuck with her that that tainted or that made the holiday stick out to her that changed her feeling about the loyalties and how to be in the world and how to do things not just the holiday but also being with friends because the mother gave the same thing of like oh well if you stay with me and not go to your friend's house tonight that would be better because you know you you're abandoning me like your father like it was always that message so she had that narrative yeah. all the time for quite some time I, it's and, making the five-year-old a villain yes and right and, and so and she's now not in the her villain. adulthood yeah. They have actually done very, they, they got through it and they have yeah. done very well now in terms of like how they negotiate the whole thing. And it's, it's very healthy now, but, um, her mother has often said to me over the years, like, had I not caught that, she's like, you know, she cringes yeah. like that. It would have been horrific probably because she didn't realize she was so involved in her own stuff that she didn't realize how it was impacting, you know, her child. And many people don't believe that children register the meaning of that oh you know that many and i always remind parents children up to the age of six especially up to the zero to six are just sponges they they may not be able to articulate to you exactly what guilt shame uh inferiority um doubt all those things are by words in those words but they know it they feel it they know how to interpret it they perceive it they stuff it down they manifest it and then they come out with it in different ways well that's their primal survival technique right. isn't it being able to read their parents and their exactly. parents reactions and stresses exactly yeah. and a lot of times i get people many more often than not still even in this day and age i get people saying oh they're just kids <laughs> they don't understand what's going on no. i'm like oh yes they do they understand kids more than you understand do. Yeah. little little teeny 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 tiny toddlers understand yep. they that's why facial gestures are so important and social cues are so important with nonverbals and things i mean that's even as adults we read most of our stuff from nonverbals 95 percent of what we get is out of nonverbals yep. so children that's where they learn because they're not speaking yet that's why we teach them sign language that's why we teach them other things because children know and they interpret and they personalize, you know, that's why when parents get divorced and they have younger kids, it's such an important thing to have a counselor or a therapist and other people there as support people to talk about how this has nothing to do with you because kids internalize every fight, every word, every yep. narrative that was said to be on them so many times. And you have to be there to be reassuring because they go into their young adulthood believing that. And then people say, well, you know, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have a relationship because they've they're mo they've been modeled these things, and they don't want to get into the same thing, not realizing that that's not the way it has to be. That's why we never fight in front of the kids. Isn't enough. 
because kids can read the tensions, they can read what's going on. You have to model something more positive. Right. You have to model overcoming the tensions. You have to model yeah. respect. You have to model, you know, because exactly. it's not enough not to fight in front of the kids because you're not hiding anything. Right. Kids feel the cool. And and not and not to have and, and the narratives. I think narratives are so important, like words matter. And people pick on psychology a lot for how we get very finicky about words and how, but words change brain structure. Words change um, the neurotransmitter level in your brain to be happy, sad, glad, upset, you know, word inflection, tone, that oh. all changes things, not to be redundant. <laughs> See? Um, but it, it, it matters. And so when you have you know, words strung together or a narrative that's placed, even if it's one time and it has meaning that's made, it creates a thought process that starts setting a sage for something down the line that's not necessarily going to be helpful. And also sets the stage for something really great because a lot of times it helps kids form boundaries. I, you know, you don't have to be in a narrative that's negative that ends up poor in terms of your health. You can also have negative narratives negative narratives mm -hmm. that are given to you that you can still flourish from and in, in the end because you have the capability because of your own ability as resiliency kids are really resilient yeah as from your own resiliency but also you know when i talk about people that you have an emotional yummy person like they get view your emotional yummies like my grandmother i always talk about my grandmother was my emotional ground she always gave that to me much to i'm sure other people's dismay so i always had a buffer in my head that I would know what she would say, even when I was little. Yep. Like I remember you talk about remembering, like I remember first memories of her saying, you know, she would negate a narrative that she would hear that was not healthy. I remember that Yep. and know that, Oh, there was a conflict of narratives going on. So that must mean that there's something in between, even though I didn't know how to talk about it. I do remember that. Um, so it's about doing that same, you know, to come to holidays, you know, if you've got, you know, creating narratives that are, here and now and present and happy and healthy and not guilt-ridden, not shame-based um, and materialistic and love and getting it all tangled up is like really looking at what perspective are you coming from and, and teaching lessons through holidays of delayed gratification and not having, you know, sitting with distress tolerance of you don't get everything you want. I'm still waiting for my pony. So everybody <laughs> out there that's known I wanted a pony, yeah. I'm still waiting for that pony. Yep. I'm not getting it. But I'm waiting. <laughs> that, Lou, I want a pony. You want a pony? You're going to get me a pony for Christmas? I'll get you a pony. Yeah. I got it as a joke last year. Somebody gave me a unicorn. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I said, here's your pony. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Not funny. That concept of words is so important because um, in interpersonal relationships of all kinds, you have to understand that 100% of the time, you're not be what you're saying is not being heard. In other words, it doesn't words don't land for people the way you launch them. Right. Because it means a different thing. You come from a different background, you come from a different sensibility. You may use a word that you like you and your buddies call each other names all the time. Right. You call somebody else that, they it might hit really hard for them because right. that's not their experience. They they, right. they feel and hear the word differently. You have to be careful. You have to try to anticipate and and, and include how it's going to land for people, whatever well, that, it is you I saying. think that goes to what Michelle just wrote. And, and I think that's, you know, not to be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> Words matter, right? Yep. So can you tell one word mattered to me? 
because I keep saying it. Yep. But she said words are super powerful. They leave a mark and they also teach us to give grace. Uh, we all say, shit, we wish we hadn't and compassion wins. I think that if people thought before they spoke more um, in their tone and their delivery method and the words, um, things would be better. Yeah, And that goes right back to the top of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show is like how you deliver a message, how you respond, how do you, you know, reactions are out of emotion responses out of logic and rational, reasonable and realistic, common sense, compassion, empathy. But when you're reactive and not thoughtful of your narrative that you're dropping and you know, the person you're, you're, you, you have to take responsibility and accountability for that. And people don't. Yeah, because you have to realize that, again, it doesn't land the way you always send it. So right. you have to, you may have been completely innocent in what you said in terms of your term and approach and, and phrasing and things like that. But you have to understand that it may have may have cut the other person right. in a way you didn't anticipate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not to be redundant. Not to be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> um, Words mean things. You what? They word, words, words mean well, things, and, and, words and they mean, mean different things, things right. to and, different and people, people. You know, there's lots of jokes about that whole thing, but it really actually, your cough. <clears throat> words actually do, um, besides mean things, they actually change your moment. One word, one phrase can change your moment. Mm -hmm. It can change it for that moment. It can change it for days. It can change it for months. It can change it for a lifetime. Words matter. Um, there are phrases that we think of, I do, and I know my clients do, I imagine you do too. There are phrases over our lifetime that we've heard from people, friends, family that we stick with that either were good, bad, or indifferent, but we certainly remember them and we know the impact that they had on them and on us and, and we hold on them and, you know, and it's, it's a matter of like, and I've learned, you know, try to be compassionate, not perfect, certainly say things sometimes out of you know, not with clients, but certainly in my personal life, you know, if I'm upset, I don't have to bite my tongue a lot because I, because the stuff in my head bubble. Yeah. And I always say this to clients, keep it in your head bubble if you can, you know, because when it comes out, it's out of the corral and that's it. And, and then you have to own it. And people also have different levels of stickiness. In mm. other words, there are many people, and I've always struggled with these people who can, say something or get excited and get into a discussion or an argument. And then the five minutes later, it's nothing to them. Right. But for some people it lands and it takes them a, lo a longer time to let go of it. It takes them a longer time to process it. Well, and I, and I think that if they have you know, do, talking about yeah. the holiday discussion so that we go back to that, to wrap that in is that like when people, you know, people get into these little squabbles, so to speak, on holidays, or they say something, and then five minutes later, the person, you know, the two people that were involved, one person's like totally over it, and the other person's going to linger for the next year on it. Right. You know, it's really, you know, know your audience and try to be mindful of your audience and stay, you know, kind of like what I said at Thanksgiving is, you know, stay away from topics or, or shots at people. I know, like, I, I have a, a several clients right now that are anticipating going to family events over the next two weeks that, you know, they're anticipating a mother or a father, you know, instead of it just being like, oh, hi, I haven't seen you in a long time. I love you and blah, 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 you know, something nice. They're anticipating the, the drop of like, oh, you are alive. You know, yeah. the, the, the under the, that yep. passive aggressive shot at them um, that, and I say to my clients, like, 
you you know already know it's coming. Yeah. So you anticipate it, and your response is that you have no reaction. Emotional. Then they it's like kids. When kids know they've gotten to you, they keep going. Yeah. Same thing with an adult that does that. It's adult bullying, right? So it's the same thing. It's it the under it's the it's that sly little passive aggressive comment, and it's how you respond to it that changes your, the dynamic. Don't internalize it because it's not for you. It's their own stuff. It's their, they're, they're upset. They're angry with themselves. It's their own stuff, but it's hard when they project it out to not take it personally, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm right here. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when people say, well, the phone works both ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. I think the key is if you want to be effective with another person is give them a feeling of safety all the time. Yes. It's a safety that's separate from whatever it is you're discussing. Right. I keep going back to the Yellowstone scene, which is like my favorite with Beth and Rip, where she says, you know, I love you and I'll see you tonight, but F you. And she walks away and they both start giggling. Yeah. Because that's it. I, I disagree with you at the time. Right. We have this conflict, but in the, in the big picture, everything's okay. Right. And it, it's so healthy. It's, it doesn't seem healthy, but it's so healthy. Right. Because, right. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's holding the balance. Yeah. It's holding the balance of, I love you and respect you. But in this very moment, F you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, so that I'm not redundant. <laughs> one more. I had to get one more. I had in. to get one more in. Yeah. Um, exciting next week. Hopefully it all works out so that our timing is right. I will make sure that I'm not sitting in traffic like I was today. <laughs> yes. Get here really early so I'm not late. Um, but everybody tune in next week because it should be a really fun show, exciting. Um, and uh and I will see you then and and get your Christmas shopping done and your Hanukkah shopping and have good fun weekend. I'll see you guys next week.